Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We start a new series today titled Monday Matters, and this morning's message is Answer Your Call. You know, not too long ago, Good Morning America ran a report about what is being called the Sunday Scaries. Of course, you know, they have those catchy names for almost everything nowadays. But uh, they used that name, Sunday Scaries, uh, to describe that feeling of dread that comes upon a person on Sunday before starting the new work week on Monday. And the story began citing research that the Sunday Scaries are at an all-time high at all-time high. Rebecca Jarvis was the reporter, and she said that many Americans may be living for the weekend, but the fun ends Sunday when lots of us start worrying about the week, uh, work week ahead. The report revealed that 66% of professionals say that they experience the Sunday scaries, and 41% say the pandemic has caused them uh, uh, to become even worse. So since the pandemic, the Sunday scaries are even worse. The report went on to say that many Americans dread Mondays, making Sundays very stressful. You don't have to say amen, but maybe there's some people here that you dread Mondays, amen. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could make the most dreaded day of the week a blessed day of the week filled with meaning and impact? And it can be when we realize that the same God who created Saturday and Sunday also made Monday, amen. And you may be saying, oh, I don't have the Sunday scaries, Monday's my day off. Well, maybe you have the Monday scaries because you got to go back to work on Tuesday. <laughs> That's okay. This series is about work and honoring God and fulfilling his purpose and calling in our work so that work becomes joyful and we find meaning and purpose in our work. We need to realize that we were created to worship God, not just on Sundays in church, but on Mondays at work. Let me say that again. We were created to worship God, not just on Sundays in church, but also on Mondays at work. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Read with me, first of all, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. I misled you earlier giving you the Genesis scripture first, but Romans chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He's saying, live your whole life as an offering to God. This is truly the way to worship him. That means that we worship not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. He goes on in verse 2 to say, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. The way we think has a lot to do with how we face a Monday, right? and how we face work. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is what? Good and pleasing and perfect. Amen. God's will is always good and pleasing and perfect. But what I want us to see is that Paul is talking about offering our entire life and everything that we do with our body as an act of worship to God. So that it's not something confined to Sundays or a particular day of the week, but it's the way that we live every single day. Worship is not an event. 
that takes place at a specific time and place. Worship is a lifestyle that takes place 24-7. Amen? 24-7. It's kind of like 7-Eleven. Uh, Amen? It's all the time. And, and, and worship encompasses doing everything in our life in a way that honors God and fulfills his will and purpose. And that includes our work. A Bible scholar by the name of William Barclay said, True worship is the offering to God of one's body and all that we do with it every day. He says, take your body, take all the tasks that you have to do every day, take the ordinary work of the shop, the factory, the office, the home, and offer that all as an act of worship to God. Amen. Everything we do. So how do we get from dreading work, counting the hours till we are off in the evening or until the weekend comes to the place where we can look forward to work because we see our work as an act of worship, giving meaning to our life and making an impact for the kingdom of God. Worshiping God with our work starts with understanding why we work why we work. First of all, discovering the divine reason for work revolutionizes our view of work. Folks, I don't want to burst anybody's balloon, but we were created to work. Amen. The Bible says that we were created in God's image. You can read it back in Genesis 1:26, and the first thing that we see God doing in the Bible is working. In Genesis 2, verses 2 and 3, it says, On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. So he rested from all of his work. That's why we take a Sabbath on Sunday. Some of you have to work on Sunday, but maybe take another day and dedicate that to rest and to worship and, and to family. It says, So he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work. Of create. Three times in those two verses, it talks about God working. Twice we are told that in creating the world, God worked, and then we are told that his work was good and very good. Amen. God stepped back after he had worked, and he said, it is good. It is very good. The work of God's hand still testifies today that there is an infinite all-powerful master designer because there is no way that a big bang could have created the beauty and order that we see around us. Amen? Amen? So the Bible says the heavens declare his glory and the earth declares the work of his finger. Not even his hand, but his finger. Amen? So you can't but look at the beauty of creation and say, you know what? There has got to be a God. There has got to be an infinite being. Amen. And he knew what he was doing too, you know, because could you have imagined if he made cows to fly? I mean, as it is, a bird flies over and maybe poops on your car. But if a cow was flying, you know, so God knew what he was doing. How many of you can say amen, right? Because God is perfect in all of his way. I know I have a strange imagination, but I think about those things when I'm uh, reading the scripture. But the work of God's hand still testifies of his glory today. And you know what? We were created in God's image. 
And he is a working God, so he created us to work as well. And being made in God's image provides purpose and dignity for our work. Work is a part of God's perfect design for our lives. Folks, I want us to understand something. Work was not the curse of sin. Work existed before sin entered the garden. God entrusted Adam and Eve to oversee and tend and manage the garden. He gave them work to do before sin entered the garden. So work was a gift given to mankind before they sinned. What happened after sin was that work became tedious where God says, now you're going to make a living by the sweat of your brow. Now it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be tedious. It's going to be burdensome. Amen. And you can thank Adam and Eve. For, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but when we use the word work, we're not just referring to the job that we do in order to get paid, but all of the work that we do in our life, such as taking care of our home or taking care of our family or working for the Lord in his house. In Genesis 2.15, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. Work was not a punishment. It was good. It gave purpose. It gave meaning to mankind. Prior to the fall, the garden of Eden was a place of a abundance, fertility, food was found everywhere. So Adam and Eve weren't working to make a living. God had already provided everything for them. So there was no stress. There was no frustration. There was no dread of work. There was joy and meaning in their work. They experienced complete contentment and fulfillment in everything in the garden, including their work. We never read of Adam and Eve being frustrated with work. We never read of them getting up on a Monday morning and saying, it's Monday and now I got to go take care of the garden that God gave us. We, we never read of that. Amen. The curse of sin was not work. The curse of sin was that after they rebelled against God and ate of the forbidden tree, the work then became burdensome, tedious, and meaningless. You shall earn a living by the sweat of your brow. It was after sin that shame, worry, stress, frustration, and fear entered the human experience. It was after sin that the ground was cursed and work would become difficult and tedious and lack meaning. But when we come to Christ, the Bible says that we are redeemed from the curse of sin. And a part of that is rediscovering the divine design for work. Work is a gift from God, not a curse. It's awful quiet in here, but it's truth nonetheless. Work is a part of being created in God's image. And if you look at his work in creation, he gives us a model or a pattern for our work. First of all, God created everything out of nothing. God has an incredible imagination. I mean, just look around you. Not, not, there's not even two of us that look alike. Amen. Uh, just look at the flowers, that, the variety of flowers that there are in the world. So beautiful, right? You got daisies and chrysanthemums and hydrangeas and roses. And, and, and you got multiple colors in, in all of these different species of, of flowers. I mean, God's creation, his creativity is incredible. 
And, and, and God is also entrepreneurial and productive because he takes new initiatives and he creates things out of nothing, amen? Using his, his creativity. And then he brought order out of chaos. He created light in darkness and he created all of this for the benefit of others, for us, for humankind. After he had created everything, then he created man and set him in the midst of the garden. So he created or his work was for the benefit of others. And the way God works is a pattern for our work. We are to use our creativity because you know what? We were made in God's image, and a part of that is that we have creativity in us. Amen? Because he is the creator. And so we are to use our creativity. We are to use our gifts. We are to use our talents to be productive, to bring order to society and to the world, to shine as lights in the midst of darkness, and to be a blessing, to bring blessing to others, and to bring glory to God. That's the pattern for our work. Amen? And when we see work that way, we realize that work is so much more than a paycheck. Work matters. Work has meaning and purpose, and work can bring glory to God. Work is not only a gift from God, but work is done for God. You could say the way we do our work is our gift to God. Amen? Work is a gift from God, and it is our gift to God. Work is also a divine calling. A part of redeeming us from the curse of sin is making sure that work is not our God. Because I'll tell you something, that work will make a miserable God, and it will be a hard taskmaster. We make work our God when we have the wrong priorities, and we allow work to so consume our time that we don't have time for God, we don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for worship. We don't have time for ministry. And sometimes we don't even have time for family. When that happens, we know that we have made work into our God. Oh, no, Pastor, I'm too busy. I can't pray every day. Oh, no, Pastor, I can't come to church on Wednesday nights because I'm working. I'm working. And I know some out of necessity, those are the schedules. You work in a hospital, whatever their schedule. But some people, they're, they're just working over and beyond over and beyond, and, and work has become their God. And not saying you shouldn't do a good job. We should be the most excellent employee that our employer has, amen? Yeah. We should do everything we do with excellence unto the glory of God. But we need to make sure that we have boundaries to make God the priority and not our job the priority, amen? Make God your priority. Don't make your job your priority. We make work our God when we work just for a paycheck, rather than working for the glory of God. First of all, God is our provider. Yeah. Amen. And secondly, everything we are to do, we are to do for the glory of God. That's our primary motivation. We need to realize that work is worship and that God has a specific calling for our life to bring him glory. God is infinitely creative and being made in his image. As I said, we share his creativity. He has given each and every one of us unique gifts and talents that are valuable for his kingdom purpose and also for society. Every one of us is unique in here. Every one of us has unique gifts, not only to be used in his church and in his house, but also to be used in the world to be a blessing to others and bring glory to his name. And those gifts and talents 
are God's means of guiding us to our vocation that God has for us. We often use the word vocation to refer to a job, a career, or a profession. In fact, we have what are called vocational colleges today, right? Or sometimes they call them career colleges, where you can become a nurse, or you can become a mechanic, or you can become an IT person, or a list of other career paths. And so they're known as vocational colleges or vocational institutes. But the word vocation actually comes from the Latin, and it literally means calling and it has a deeply biblical and spiritual meaning vocation speaks of serving God in your life in the place where he has put you it is what God has called you to do with your life and he has uniquely equipped you to do it with the gifts talents intellect and personality that he has given you you know, there's some people that are very caring and they're very compassionate and they usually go into helping type of vocations. So they may become a nurse or they may become a doctor or they may become a social worker or they may become uh, some type of counselor because they have that compassion, they have that caring, they have that heart to take care of people. And so there are some people that they're, they love to, to teach people new things. They, they love to discover and impart knowledge in others. That, that leads them to become a teacher or instructor uh, of some type. Every person has a vocation. Every person has a calling from God. Some to be nurses, some to be teachers, uh, some to be business people, some to be mechanics, some to be IT people, and the list goes on and on. But to fulfill our calling... We must fulfill God's purpose and bring him glory through our jobs, through our jobs. There's an old nurse's prayer that was commonly taught to nursing students in the 1950s and before, and it expresses well this concept of vocation. But it's the thoughts, the concept of vocation and, and dedicating our work to the Lord is really why I want to share this prayer to you. So it applies much beyond people that are uh, nurses or in the medical field. But it began this way. It says, oh, my God, I offer thee all my actions of this day for the intentions and for the glory of Jesus. So there's principle number one. Lord, I offer myself to you today as I go to work. Let everything that I do be done for your glory and honor, right? It goes on to say, oh my God, I'm about to begin the day's work. Teach me to see in the sick thy holy image. Give to my efforts success. So Lord, I'm going to work today. Help me to see the need in other people and help me to be able to, to successfully somehow do my job and touch their lives as well. It goes on to say, it is thy work. Without thee, I cannot succeed. Grant that the sick thou hast placed in my care may be abundantly blessed and that not one of them be lost because of anything that is lacking in me. Sweetest Lord, make us appreciate the dignity of our high vocation and its many responsibilities. Never permit us to disgrace it by giving way to coldness, unkindness, or impatience. Wow. Such a sense that this is God's calling. I'm doing this for God. I'm doing this to bless others and bring glory to God's name. This daily nurse's prayer was a reminder that nursing was not just a job, but that it is a calling from God that in serving others, they were serving God and their goal was to bring glory to God in the way that they did their job. And that should be true of all of us, amen? 
young people, I speak to you for a moment. When you're picking a career, don't pick it just because of what the paycheck is. Pray and say, God, what is your calling for my life? What is your purpose? What do you want me to do? Amen? Because when you walk in his will and his good purpose, that's where you're going to find joy, that's where you're going to find fulfillment, and that's where you can bring glory to God. But I speak to all of us, do you see your job as a paycheck, or do you see it as a calling to serve God's kingdom purpose and bring glory to his name? If it's just a paycheck, it's going to end you eventually in a place of emptiness, meaninglessness, and frustration. But if you see it as a calling from God, that's where you're going to find joy and meaning and purpose in your life. You know, even when I worked a secular job, I worked at banks before going full-time into ministry. And every day when I got in my car and began driving to my job, I started praying. And I'd say, God, use me today. Let me shine as a light in the midst of darkness. God, lead me to somebody today that needs to hear about you and give me souls for my labor so that your name may be glorified. I prayed that every single day or a version of that when I went into work because I saw that God had placed me there for a purpose. That was my assignment at that time until he opened the door for me to be in full-time ministry. When we realize the divine reason for our work, it changes the way that we view work, but it also changes the way we do work. Hello? It not only changes the way we view work, it changes the way we do work. Because now we're not doing this for our boss. We're not doing it for that cantankerous customer. We are doing it for the glory of God. Amen. So that brings us to our second principle. Discovering our divine calling revolutionizes how we work. When we recognize that this job is a divine calling from God... It revolutionizes how we work. First of all, we will work with enthusiasm. Read with me Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Work with enthusiasm. So tomorrow when you go into work, let there be a spring in your step. You're like, praise God, I'm enthusiastic about working today. Hallelujah. Work with enthusiasm as though... You were working for the Lord rather than for people. See, that's what will enable us to have enthusiasm. I'm not going into there to that mean, demon-possessed boss. No, I'm going there for Jesus. Amen? Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us. You are not working just for a paycheck, folks. You are working for an eternal reward. And God is watching how you do your job, and your reward in heaven will be based on how you did your work, at least in part, down here. Hallelujah. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Today, uh, because slavery was prominent in Paul's day and, and a high percentage of people were slaves, that's why he uses that concept of, of slaves or free. But today we might say whether you are an employee or an employer. Amen? We should all remember that we're doing it unto the Lord. Our boss may be a pain in the neck. But you are not working for your earthly boss. You are working for the Lord. Our customers may just be so cantankerous and frustrating, but we are not serving them. 
We are serving Jesus. So when that person is up in your face giving you a hard time, just picture Jesus standing right in front of you and saying, if that was Jesus, how would I speak to them? Hallelujah. And fulfillment comes from fulfilling our God-given calling. God, you have me here. This is the calling that you have for my life. And when we understand that, when we go to our job, we are there on divine assignment. We are there to serve God. We are there to be a light in darkness. We are there to be a blessing to others. When we understand that, it changes our attitude towards work. We are filled with enthusiasm rather than dreading it. Do you know what the word enthusiasm means? It comes from the Greek entheo. Entheo. Theo is the Greek word for God. And so it literally means God within. Enthusiasm means God within or to be full of God. And when we go to work enthusiastically, when we go to work full of God, we will have a passion and a zeal for our work because we're not just doing it for a paycheck. We are doing it for the Lord. Hallelujah. So we will work with enthusiasm and we will work with excellence. Excellence. When you understand why you work and who you're working for, it changes the way you work. You know, if you're just working for an earthly boss and a paycheck, it's like, I'm going to do the bare minimum. You know, in fact, nowadays, I, I saw a news report that there's something called bare minimum Mondays. And, and, and it's people saying, you know what? The work week is so hard and, and we got scary Sundays. And we're going to do the bare minimum on Mondays so that we can kind of just ease back in to the week. <laughs> Folks, when you're serving the Lord, there's no bare minimum Monday. Hallelujah. You're going to work enthusiastically and you're going to work with excellence because we understand that our work is a divine calling and our desire is to please God because he is the one who will reward us. So we want to do the very best that we can in all that we do. And we will work to be a testimony and bring glory to God. I worked at a bank call center uh, where we did uh, um, online bill payment and customer service, and we were tied into the computer system and everything before I went into full-time ministry. And my stats were way higher than all the other people in the department. And so um, the boss, the vice president that we worked under, was telling everybody, that we're raising the quota because uh, Maria is doing X and you guys are not, you know. So everybody was getting mad at me. So they started making up lies about me and telling the vice president, oh, that's because she hangs up on customers just to raise her stats. And what. This was happening unbeknownst to me. So the vice president listened to my calls for about three weeks to see if I was actually handling the customers or doing what they were accusing me of doing, but I was actually handling the customers. And so it's after the fact that she came and told me uh, what was going on in the background and everything, but it, it kind of made me a little bit of a target <laughs> for the rest of the folks, but it also uh, made me a light. Because I'll tell you something, my, my uh, boss, my vice, the vice president I worked under, um, 
she was a, a Jewish lady, but not so much a practicing one, but just claimed to be Jewish. But she was wild the way she lived her life. And on Monday, she came in and she was bragging to everybody about her sexual exploits over the weekend. And that, that's the kind of thing. And I would just be like, I'm not listening to this in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. But anyway, um, she came to me one day. I had been working there for several years. She came to me one day and she said, uh, Maria, can I see you in my office? And I thought, oh, no, what's up now? You know, and so she called me into, into the office and she closed the door. And she said to me, I just got the diagnosis that I have stage three breast cancer. And she said, I've watched you, and I know that you're a woman of faith, and you actually live what you believe. So I believe that God will hear your prayers. So I'm asking you to pray for me. And boy, that was the open door. I told her about Jesus and having a relationship. with. And she sat there for almost an hour and let me tell her about Jesus, and then I was able to pray for her. Amen. See, that, that's, that's what God wants to do in our jobs, amen? He wants us to shine so brightly that it catches the attention of those that are in darkness, amen? And that when they have a need, they're going to come to us and say, I've been watching you, and I know that you're for real, and I need Jesus, or I need you to pray for me, and then that'll be that door of opportunity, amen? So Paul addresses the way that we should work. Our work should be a testimony and bring glory to God. In Titus chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, and I'm reading this from the message because I, I think it conveys uh, uh, the meaning here. God's guide slaves, today we would say employees, into being loyal workers, into being loyal workers, a bonus to their masters or employers. Amen? We should be a blessing to our bosses and the companies that we work for. Yes, yes, Amen. Yes, no backtalk, no petty thievery. Uh -huh. Then their good character will shine through their actions, adding luster or brilliance to the teaching of our Savior God. Yes, the way we work affects the way people receive the message of Jesus. Yes. Amen. If we're a, 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 a half-hearted, mediocre employee and we're going around telling everybody, oh, praise the Lord, I believe in Jesus, you need to accept Jesus, they're going to be like, all right, whatever. You know, but if our life backs it up, because we're working with excellence and, and, and we're not gossiping and back-talking and getting into the rumor mill that's there in the office, then it's going to add radiance or brilliance to the message of Jesus Christ. It's going to cause the message of Jesus to shine even brightly. Amen? So as Christians, we're going to be the best employees that we can be because the way we work is a testimony to God. We're not going to be complaining. We're not, not going to be back-talking. We're not going to be stealing. You say, Pastor, I don't steal. Well. How about when we call in sick when we're not? <laughs> sick time has been allocated for when you are sick. And when you call in because you're going to go to the beach, you're not sick. You're stealing money from your company. Hallelujah. This is where we can say, ouch, oh me. Or amen, if we're not doing that, amen. Or, you know, maybe we're allowed a half an hour for lunch, but it kind of stretches into 45 minutes or an hour. We're stealing time. Or we're sitting at our desk, and instead of doing our work, it was prime days at Amazon. <laughs> and we didn't want to miss the best deal we could get. So we're there 
Oh yeah, boss, I'm working. Oh, that's 50% off. I gotta get the. <laughs> You're stealing time. Hallelujah. But I know none of us do that, hallelujah. When we know that we're doing our job for the Lord, we're gonna do it with excellence. We're gonna be the most trustworthy, most productive employee that our employer has. And when we work with excellence, it makes Jesus look good to the world. Hello? When we work with excellence, it makes Jesus look good to the world and the gospel will become attractive to unbelievers. You can actually make people want to serve Jesus by the way you work. Amen? As I close, the famed preacher, Harry A. Ironside, told the story of a job that he had when he was a young person back in Scotland when he worked for a, a, a shoemaker and a shoe repairman named Dan McKay. And Dan was a genuine Christian, and his little shoe shop was a real testimony for Christ in the community. The walls were covered with Bible text and, 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 and pictures that, that related to scripture. And on the counter in front of his workbench, there was always a Bible generally open, and there was a pile of tracts, and no package went out of that shop without one of those tracts. And no customer went out of that shop without Dan talking to them about Jesus. Whenever he had the opportunity, he shared Jesus with his customers and told them the importance of being born again. And many often came back and asked for more tracts, more literature about Jesus, so that they could find God. Now, Harry Ironside was working for him as an apprentice and his job was to pound out the leather after it had been soaked, to pound out the leather for the shoe soles. And he had to use a flathead hammer and all day long he was just pounding, pounding, pounding until the leather was hard and dry. And it was an endless and tedious operation. A block away there was another shoe shop and there was a jolly godless shoemaker who seemed to be thriving. And through the window, Ironside would watch, and he noticed that that shoemaker never pounded out the soles, but attached them to the shoes while they were still wet. One day, Ironside timid, timidly entered the shop and asked him, I notice you put the soles on while they're still wet. Are they just as good as if you pounded them out till they were dry? The cobbler got a sneaky grin on his face and winked his eyes and he said when you do it wet they come back all the quicker because it's not just as good amen it was going to end up tearing away from the shoe and he was going to get more business right so ironside this young teenager he felt he had learned something so he went back to his boss telling him you know what we're really wasting time drying out the leather so carefully we should just attach it while it's still damp. But Dan McKay, a good Christian, stopped his work, opened the Bible to the passage that reads, whatsoever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And he said, Harry, I don't cobble shoes just for the money that I get from my customers. I'm cobbling shoes for the glory of God. Hallelujah. He went on to say, I expect to see every shoe I have ever repaired 
in a big pile in front of the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't want the Lord to say to me in that day, Dan, you did a poor job. I want him to look at every pair of shoes that I made or repaired and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Dan McKay went on to explain that just as some are called to preach, some are called to fix shoes, and that only as he did this well would his testimony count for God. Folks, that's a man that understood work as worship. Everything we do in the way that we live our life is to be done as an act of worship to bring glory to God. Your job, your job is your undercover assignment from God. When you get in your car to go to work, say, Lord, I'm going to work for you today. Lord, I know you have a mission for me there today, and I pray that I would do it well. I pray that I would shine brightly for you, and I pray that I would bring glory unto your name, Jesus. Amen. Every day you are surrounded by people who do not know God, and they need to see Jesus in you. Realize that your job is paying you to bring glory to God and point people to Jesus. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? You can get a paycheck for bringing glory to God and pointing people to Jesus. Hallelujah. When we, when we do that, <laughs> when we do that, even the most mundane of jobs, like beating shoot leather or sitting and saying, welcome to Walmart at the entrance of Walmart, amen. Even the most mundane of jobs can take on eternal significance and give us enthusiasm for what we do because we can bring glory to God and point people to Jesus, amen? And it means that our work matters and that we are making a difference for the kingdom of God. Now, of course, unless you have a relationship with God, then none of this will make any sense to you. But when you put God in the rightful place in your life, then God puts everything in your life in the right place. When you put God in the right place in your life, then God will put everything in your life in the right place. But it all starts with a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because you see, we are all sinners and sin cuts us off from God. That's the whole reason that Jesus came from heaven, lived a sinless life, and then offered that life as a sacrifice in our place so that we could be forgiven through him. So when we repent of our sins, and the word repent means to turn away from, we say, God, I recognize I've been living life in disregard to you, doing things my own way. I don't want to live that way anymore. I turn my back on that, and I turn to you in faith. I ask you to forgive me, and I invite you to come live inside of me. When we do that, the moment we do that, we are forgiven. We are made spiritually alive. We're born again, and we are brought into right relationship with God. And that is the beginning of a wonderful lifelong adventure of learning to love and serve God in everything we do. Would you bow your heads with me if you're here today or you're listening online and you have never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and you can feel 
the tugging of the Holy Spirit telling you you need to repent, you need to place your faith in Jesus, or maybe you did so many years ago and you've drifted away and you know that you need to come back. The Lord loves you. You are not here by accident. He is standing with his arms wide open to receive you unto himself. And if you would say today, pray for me, Pastor Maria. I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to have a relationship with God. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and just say, pray for me. I want to be forgiven of my sins and I want to have a relationship with God. Thank you for that hand. Is there another hand? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Amen. I'm going to ask those that raise your hand if you do one more thing, if you'll just pray this simple prayer with me and I encourage everybody in the church to pray it with us as an encouragement to those who are praying it for the first time. Pray this prayer with me, dear Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you. I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and I invite you to come live inside of me and help me from this day forward to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I want to congratulate you on making the best decision of your life and I want to welcome you to the family of God. Now that prayer was a beginning, not an ending. It's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with the Lord and we want to help you to know the next steps to take so that you can grow in your relationship with the Lord. And one of the ways we want to help you do that is by sending to you a free e-booklet that will help you to understand that prayer and how to take the next steps in your walk with the Lord. So if you will, if you just prayed that prayer, there's a number on the screen. Just text your email address to that number on the screen and your name uh, to that number on the screen and that way we can email uh, this little booklet to you free of charge. So if you'll go ahead and do that right now, but once again, congratulations on making the best decision of your life. I want to speak to those of us who have already accepted Christ, and let's ask God to help us see our work the way he sees our work. Amen? So that in this activity that consumes such a huge part of our life, we might recognize the divine calling and purpose of God and that we might do our job with enthusiasm and excellence to bring glory to God and advance his kingdom purpose in the world. If that's your heart's desire, would you just stand to your feet right where you are and just make your way to this altar and say, God, I want to see my work the way you see my work. I want to recognize your divine purpose and calling for my job, Lord God. And I want to be able to do my work with excellence and enthusiasm so that it will bring glory to your name and it will draw others to you. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Everything we do, we should do as an act of worship unto the Lord to bring glory to his name. As you stand at this altar, just begin to talk to God for yourself as I pray over us and dedicate yourself to doing your job as unto the Lord, as your work, as your calling to, to bring glory and honor to his name. Lift up your voices to the Lord. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these that are responding to your word in faith this morning and say, God, I want to do my work as unto you, Lord God. I want to bring you glory. I want to point people to Jesus through my work, Lord God, and through the way that I do my work. Father, I pray for every one of us at this altar 
that we would have a new perspective and be able to see work according to your divine plan, to your design, Lord God, to see your purpose and your calling for us, Lord God, that we wouldn't work just for a paycheck, Lord God, but that we would work for you, for your purpose, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that, that we would work with enthusiasm, that we would work with excellence, Lord God, recognizing that we are not working for an earthly employer. We're not working for earthly customers or co-workers, but we are working as unto you, Lord God. And let everything we do in every area of our life, and especially in our job, bring glory and honor to you. We commit ourselves to this today, and we ask the help of your Holy Spirit to be able to live this out, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.